finally took pity on the girl and cast the demon out. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John 4 and 4. When he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Also, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This angered the girl's owners greatly. When the spirit came out, they kind of lost their source of income. Paul and Silas were seized, now not Timothy and Luke, but Paul and Silas, and dragged before the authorities. The marketplace, one source, as I kind of went through and looked up and thing, it, said, it explains this as uh, a paved area, approximately 164 feet by 325 feet. It was a large platform at one end. It served as a judgment seat for Paul and Silas. Now, two chief magistrates presided over each Roman colony. The slave owners made accusations that would steer the emotion of all those who were present. The officials ordered that Paul and Silas be beaten. It seemed like they ordered that for just about everything we read of in the Bible. So it kind of makes us glad that we didn't live back in those days. But these men were, to inflict this punishment, were rod barriers. They carried a bundle of wooden rods tied up with cords. And these rods were about the thickness of a thumb. The bundle represented Roman authority and for several years was pictured on the back of a United States dime. Now the guards stripped the clothing off the backs of Paul and Silas and hit them with the rods repeatedly. Being bruised and bleeding, they were thrown into the inner prisons or a dungeon and put in the stocks. They were treated <coughs> as dangerous criminals. Here they are just doing the work of God. And then they're, not only are they beaten, but we're not told that they were given any medical attention. We were told that instead of taking to a doctor, instead of taking to the hospital, they were taken not only to the prison, but they were taken to the inner prison inside the dungeon. I guess today we would call it the, hold, the holding cells. But then we're going to go on down in Acts 16, verse 25 through 40. And we're going to see here that a jailer is converted. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaking. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. Loosed in the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them to the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them 
into his house. He stood, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the master had sent the officer, saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The master has set to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now that they put us out secretly, no indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrate. And they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Now notice here, these men have just been beaten. You know they're in pain. And they were thrown into inner prison. They don't say they're complaining. We're not told they are asking God why. It says that they're singing and praising God. Uh, praising God. When the least little thing goes wrong in our lives, is the first thing that pops in our minds to sing and praise God. Or sometimes we want them walking around shaking our head and asking God why. Even in pain, Paul and Silas were singing. Their bodies had been bound, but their spirits weren't. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 and 20 tells us, For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. There was an earthquake, no doubt miraculous, which opened the doors and unfastened the stocks. The jailer awakened and believed the prisoner had all escaped, so he attempted to kill himself to avoid being executed. Now Paul yelled out at him to stop, which he does. The jailer trembled before Paul's side, realizing there is a powerful force behind them. And myself, I've seen someone beaten and thrown in jail. They're not laying there crying and moaning and cheering on and complaining. I know there had to be a force. But the jailer asked what he needed to do to be saved. Have you ever been asked by someone, what do I need to do to be saved? If not, what if someone does ask you, Hey, what do I need to do to be saved? Have you studied God's word enough to know what to tell them? Or are you just going to say, well, like, yes, let me see. I'll check in my Bible and I'll, I'll talk with somebody and I'll get back with you. We need to study God's word, but we'll be able to tell them what they need to do. They need to believe, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We need to study God's word. We need to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And we need to live according to God's word the best of our ability. Now, not near one time are we told in the Bible that we have to be a perfect person before or after baptism. But we have to do the best of our ability. Now, the jailer asked what he needed to be saved, probably from the judgment of God. He did not know who Jesus was, so Paul and Silas told him and his household and of their needs for the forgiveness of sins. 
Like the blind man in John chapter 9, verse 36. John 9 and 36. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? There's a basic level of truth one must understand in order to be saved. <clears throat> Only after repenting and being baptized did the jailer rejoice that he had believed in God. So believing in God included repentance and baptism. I was talking with someone that's in our South Carolina office. They were excited that they, they was telling someone else and they have been baptized or they have been saved. And I doubt that person was on the phone that person asked him said, well, you know about being saved and all. And he said, oh yeah, yeah. He, he's already been to the altar and he's asked the Lord for forgiveness of his sin. And he said, and, uh, in two weeks we all going to meet together and the ones of us been saved are going to be baptized. You know, it gave me an opportunity there to, that I could step in and tell them. <coughs> we're not told in the Bible to wait to be baptized. You're already saved, but you can wait, you know, for a period of time. It's all it tells me to repent and be baptized. Just as this jailer right here and his family, they were told what they must do. They believed they were baptized. The master probably thought the beatings and imprisonment would be sufficient to teach us trouble uh, making Jews a lesson. The authorities had broken two laws that inflicted punishment without a trial and beaten two Roman citizens. Now note here that Paul and Silas used the protection of the civil law for their safety. They went back to Lydia's house, encouraged the brethren, and then left. But Luke stayed in Philippi. Notice the use of they in Acts 17 and 1. Acts 17 and 1 when it says, Now when they had passed through Amphilippus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was the synagogue of the Jews. What I want us to get out of here this morning is a few lessons. We see that first of all, Paul and Silas was doing what God requires of each and every one of us. They were helping a young lady who they felt was in distress. When they told the demon to come out of the girl, he done nothing wrong. But yet, it was the, the master of this young girl saying that they were losing their livelihood. They were losing their income, so it made them mad. And that's when they went out and accused, made these accusations against them. That's what people are going to do to each and every one of us. The same thing they done to Christ. They can't prove that Christ didn't exist. They can't prove that Christ didn't walk here on earth in a physical form. So the next thing they can do is discredit him. And that's the same thing when we go out and talk to people. They can't disprove that you're a Christian if your actions are and your words are saying that you are. So what they're going to try and do is discredit you. But here, when God sent the earthquake, the earthquake and it freed them, opened the doors and all. The jailer knew that there was something miraculous about this. 
He didn't ask him, how did you do that? He asked him, what must I do to be saved? If you notice, when he asked what I must do, it included his, his household. <coughs> we are to look out for the souls of our household as well as others. We need to study God's word to know what to tell other people what they must know to be saved. But in my conclusion, an important lesson that we learned from the Philippian jailer is the need to do things immediately and not put them off. When I was talking about the case of my co-worker, what if after he repented of his sins, he really thinks he's saved, even though he hasn't been baptized yet? What if his life here on earth had been called? We have to stop and say, well, he wasn't baptized because whoever was preaching and teaching to him told him he didn't have to be. So he thought he was in a, state, a saved state. That's God's judgment. All I know is I'm told to tell everyone that you must repent of your sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. But here when the jailer, when he asked Paul what he needed to be saved, Paul replied that he needed to believe in the Lord Jesus. He and his household were told about salvation and were baptized at once. Baptism is essential to our salvation. So it was not put off for days or weeks, but was done immediately. If we haven't been baptized, I, I beg of you, I encourage you to do so. If you have been baptized and you've stepped out of God's way, you're in grave danger. Whatever it need may be, we ask you to come forward this time while we stand and sing our song of invitation. When we're